Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Hello and welcome to the Overdue Podcast, Episode 26. I'm Kelly, and with me today are my fellow librarians, Dana. Hi there. And Mark. Hello. Also joining us is Dean of Libraries and Academic Support Services, Julie Gorse. Hello. Our esteemed guest today is the president of Madison College, um, and it's our very own magazine cover guy, President Jack Daniels III. Dr. Daniels has served as president at Madison College since 2013, bringing improvements, innovation, and change to the college and to the larger community through various programs and initiatives. Perhaps his biggest accomplishment is the new Goodman South Campus, which will open next month. So we are very excited to have you here with us today, and welcome. Thank you. So the first thing we're going to do is just do kind of a rapid-fire question round. So we're going to kind of do a roundtable uh, rotation of asking you just some simple questions. And this is kind of a way to get to know our, um, our visitor and our guests. Otherwise, um, I guess I will get us started. Okay. Uh, better mascot, Wolfie. Or Gizmo the Grossmont Griffin from San Diego. Yeah, Woofie. (laughs) (laughs) Good one. Uh, What's a tougher job, running a large college system or teaching sixth grade? Teaching sixth grade. (laughs) Which is worse, Houston summers or Wisconsin winters? (laughs) I have experience with both, so this will be interesting. (laughs) (laughs) That was just in Houston. Oh, dear. Okay. Wisconsin winners. Okay. All right. All right. And a follow-up to that, which is worse, walking your dog during a polar vortex or watching the Bears lose to the Packers? (laughs) (laughs) Watching the Bears lose to the Packers. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Your favorite music genre? Mm, Jazz. All right. Uh, What's a book you would recommend reading? I just finished a book by Trevor Noah. Oh, okay. And your favorite place to eat, uh, California, Texas, Florida, or the Midwest? California. Oh, okay. (laughs) Great. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, what's your bucket list of um, travel destinations? My next travel will be Bali in Singapore. Oh, nice. Great. That sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. And what's the favorite place that you've been? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. <laughs> we've traveled extensively. I was in South Africa in oh, okay. uh, April. I was in the Maldives in February. Okay. Uh, the water is really nice and clear, and it's warm. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> 
the south side of Madison, including the neighborhoods of Burr Oaks, Brams Edition, Cypress, and Badger, and uh, other little spots, have since the 1960s in Madison served as a landing spot for many communities, drawn to it because of the presence of people with similar life experiences and offering a connection in a new place. The area has had a somewhat challenged history, but the communities living there have continuously worked to improve things and change perceptions. Many different organizations, including Central Hispano and the Urban League, have worked along with the neighborhood's communities to improve things. And Madison College has been a longtime partner in the area with a satellite campus that has shared space on South Park Street. In recent years, Southsiders were hopeful that the city would locate a big project in the area as a sign of investment. Specifically targeted were the public market idea and or a new Madison College campus. The public market ended up being placed on East Washington Avenue where they'll build but thanks in large part to our guest today, uh, Dr. Daniels, the new Madison College Goodman South Campus Branch with expanded programs and services is opening this fall at 2429 Perry Street at the corner of Badger Road and Park Street. Okay, and so we'd like to ask you some questions about um, how this all came to be. So. Uh, you identified a need for Southside support fairly soon after your arrival. Our previous experiences sometimes help shape our passions and our purposes. How were you able to recognize and confirm that there was a true need? Was there an example in your previous jobs in Houston or Los Angeles, or was it something else that spurred you on to pursue the South Campus Initiative? My primary experience in two-year institutions have been in major urban areas and understanding that those major urban areas um, a lot of poverty and so as I look at data and I looked at data especially in South Madison of unemployment underemployment housing um, kids who go to school with reduced uh, lunch when you look at all of that and you look at employment and the area in Madison and statewide here in Wisconsin, the, there's a huge demand for employers. Yet, the supply is limited. And I always contend that when you have pockets where folks are under and unemployed, that becomes that huge area from which you can draw your employees from. And we did numbers of focus groups, met with numbers of individuals who were in the community, and determined that the need was for our institution to actually expand itself into where we are going to be at Badger Road and Park. It's also important to know that why that population didn't come to Truax. <laughs> yeah. And there were several barriers for folks to come to Truax. One was transportation. When Truax had a campus on the west side at Merrill Point in Gammon, it would take two and a half hours on a bus trip to come to Truax. <laughs> to come to Truax from Village Mall 
is a one and a half hour trip. Mm -hmm. And so folks will not do that because that's taking three hours out of their day or five hours out of their day. And because I am from Los Angeles, I understand mm -hmm. what it means to take six hours out of one's day for travel. Yeah. And that is a barrier. We also have a barrier in terms of perceived sensitivity of the institution to those populations that are in South Madison. And we saw a drop in, especially those students of color who were coming to Truax, though the population was not dropping in Dane County, it was in fact increasing. And that is actually another area when we talk about need. It's something I do need correct, and I think it was in the early discussion of South, of the city wanting to be have an educational facility there. The city quite frankly, had no idea what was going on. I went to the city and said, this is what we're going to do. And they said, oh, that's good. <laughs> um, because we had to get the parcel of land and do some other things. Now, did we partner with the city? Pardon us the wrong word. Did we have a good relationship with the city so that we could get through zoning, we get through planning, we get through all those other elements, and did they help us through those processes without question. But those ideas came from here at the college, um, and we were the drivers in that. When I think about other areas and where I've been, in Los Angeles, and now they just call it South LA, it was South Central LA, mm -hmm. which was a um, very, depressed area and understanding there's a need there. One of the advantages we had in Los Angeles that I was a part of was that we passed a $6 billion bond issue. And that $6 billion was used to uh, redo eight campuses. Wow. And it still wasn't enough. <laughs> and so we put in where this area was, where I was president, roughly $450 million worth of new buildings <laughs> and new programs, which actually tried to serve the need of that community. So we had, I have had that experience. In and Houston, I was at Central Campus in Houston, um, and that Central Campus is in the middle of a historic African-American community, the Third Ward. And as that community, what's around that community, is the main University of Houston campus, Texas Southern University, which is an HBCU, and then not that far from that campus is Rice and the whole Texas Medical Center. Yeah. And so when you start to look at that uh, and creating an environment from which you're serving that community, I looked at that need as well. Uh, that was done before they had Metro, the rail, uh, because I was part of that and actually got a rail stop at the college. Huh. Um, and so there's things that you think through that we wanted to, to think through and I think through is my experiences. In Miami, um, I was 
the downtown campus has gone through, I think, three, maybe four different name changes. Oh, wow. So at one point in time, it was the downtown campus. Then it became New World Center. Mm. And um, I've and it's the Wolfson Center right now, the Wolfson's campus. Well, when I was in Miami, it was prior to the harbor <laughs> being all redone. And so you had a lot of folks also during that time who were coming from Haiti, as well as from South America, um, not to mention Cuba as well. And so understanding that population around that area, that area in which the downtown campus was close to an area called Overtown. Overtown had a rich history of African-American businesses, including hotels and shops and so forth, and with gentrification, it all went away. The poverty in that area became much greater than what it was. And so as we looked at the college, what was the need? <laughs> and what were the types of programs that would fit that need? That college is just boomed um, as a part of the Miami-Dade College, because they went from Miami-Dade Community College to Miami-Dade College, as most of the college, two-year college in Florida have gone. So when you put all those experiences together, you start to think, okay, these are the types of things that we need to look at. Growing up in Chicago, it gives you a different experience. And I taught in the Chicago public school system. And so when you start to look at those young kids who are coming, and their parents, you start to have a different perspective on how do you hopefully will start to fulfill the need in many of those similar types of areas. Wow. Great. That's really great. Quite a process, yeah. Okay, Goodman South has been a huge undertaking and has been a primary objective for several years. Can you share an example of one thing, positive or challenging, that you learned as a leader during this process? This is a four and a half to five year process. The one thing you learn is that you have to develop very strong relationships internally from which you can move and progress. Um, having a, a executive vice president who is fully committed to South played a huge role, and that was Keith Cornell. I also remember the conversations with Terry Webb, um, who also had his expertise, and this is something we need to do, just didn't figure out how to do it. Um, and then I think there's also, there's a phrase, and the phrase is you go slow to go fast. Um, the first time we, we went for approval from the board, it ended up with a 4-4, and we had to wait another year because there wasn't more information. From a leadership perspective, it's understanding what do you go in with, did you have all the information, and what was the plan of action to ensure that the whole board was really aware of what was happening, but also the community. Also, as a side point at that point in time, was also the discussion on DTEC. <laughs> and so we had two major issues going at the same time. And it's how you keep them separate, but keep everybody informed of what was happening. 
Yeah. By the way, you move that four four to five four, and then eventually to nine zero. Nine correct? zero. But yeah. I, I read where it went to five four. It went from four four to nine, to nine zero. zero. <laughs> okay, no step in between. There All right. was no okay. step in between. Right. No way that one came from. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you were featured as the cover story for Madison Magazine in July 2019. In this article, Madison College Provost Dr. Bakken credits you with, quote, a unique skill set and style in regard to our shared governance, saying that here we have a set of principles and values that drive everything we do, honoring collective voice, transparency, inclusion, and respect. Can you tell us how these principles helped in the successful launch of the Goodman South Campus. Sure. I'll take it from the internal as well as external. So internally, it's uh, having the college, college-wide, understand why we're going someplace. What we never want to do, and what I don't want to do, is you build a facility with the thought that everybody will show up. <laughs> you go back to what is the need. And if you can actually evidence the need, then you start talking about the building. And that's something that we wanted to do, and I think we did effectively. Um, it was not just presented at convocations or in other um, venues, but it's also working through the deans and associate deans uh, and how we bring that together. And in the last nine months, it really shown because we had to talk about programming. So we had to have the folks who actually do the programming at the table. And so we had many meetings uh, led by uh, Tina Hayato uh, in bringing those program specialists to the table so we could understand the ins and outs, what could happen, what could not happen, which then drove the design because we needed to have that done as well. So how do you design? If you want four labs, what it's going to look like? What are you going to do in the four labs? Um, if you've got IT labs, what's that going to look like? You know, you need a community space, what's that going to look like? So there was a, it was very inclusive. And that inclusivity also uh, expanded to the community because we actually had an advisory group. And that advisory group did many of the focus groups in the community and getting their input. And I think those principles of inclusion um, and getting as much input as you can, critical input, is one of those hallmarks of shared governance. And being able to take those, respond to them, uh, and use them in many instances as we created our plan of action and then moved on the plan of action. And I can attest to the shared governance working because I was part of those meetings and it was just very helpful in the planning and um, and especially that programming piece has yeah. helped us prepare for this move-in. So, um, Okay, moving on. Um, some people have referred to you as a visionary. What do you hope to see out of the Goodman South Campus five years down the road? Well, the projection is that that campus could probably, from a capacity standpoint, somewhere between five and 6,000 students, which should generate about 1,000 FTEs. So I expect in five years we will be there. I would expect in five years 
with the growth that is expected by 2025 of, I think it's 20, I'm sorry, 2030, of 40,000 more residents in Dane County. Wow. That's going to be huge. Um, and couple that with some other potentials that are on the south side, I think there's a potential for growth. It all depends on parcels of land and how much money you can actually generate to purchase the parcels and then build on it. Right now, we've already exceeded what was at DTEC last year, and we have exceeded huge numbers of our enrollment versus what was that villager last year. So, I expect. The, the only caveat that I'm going to give you a qualifier, you said five years, I think I'm expecting it three. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay, you've said that the new Goodman South, quote, can be a catalyst for economic development and change. Can you tell us about what changes have already taken place and what changes you can anticipate in that regard? When I look at the whole South Park corridor, and that's the medical corridor, uh, the changes have been not dramatic at all. Because we already have partnerships with many of those providers. But I see this as completely different. If you look at East Wash, East Wash is really starting to really grow itself. Yes. And it is going eastward. Right? Yep. There's no reason why the South Madison Quarter can't do the same. And it's the generating of business. That's why we will have part of the entrepreneurship center will be there. Not just to help small businesses, but help create small businesses. I think that you you've got a relationship between the Alliant Center, which is going through their planning and development. And there will be synergy between where that is to where we are. We are at the precipice of uh, the Beltline and Park. So you've got a lot of movement in that one area. Not to say of, of the bus terminus that's right across the street. So employees can get to employers that are on that line and you're going to start to increase that economic development. But economic development is just not building the businesses or folks being able to spend dollars. Economic development also um, tells you something about the community's development. And there's a, from my standpoint, there is an ego with the community. And the ego with the community goes when you have growth that's surrounded that's sustainable. And so as we can sustain business development, you can sustain community development. And where there's business, and you talk about workforce and workforce housing, you start to build the affordable and workforce housing in those areas from which those folks can actually go to work right there. And I see that, and we have to play a vital role in that, in terms of the economic development in that area. Um, what I have seen, uh, observed in my discussions with leaders of industries and businesses, they also see the potential. And 
I like this term potential into not just probability, but this is where it is. And I think we can do that. You know, you mentioned earlier about the numbers of community-based organizations that are around that area. Central Espano, Urban League, Access Mental Health, uh, Reach Dane, Literacy Network, you know, all of these. We have to come as a partner and develop a strong plan of action for us to grow it and grow that economically as well as from a community. Okay, before a final wrap-up, I just wanted to say that um, from the libraries and the Student Achievement Center perspective, um, we are really excited um, to be heading out to our newest model at the South Campus and, um, and have had a lot of fun uh, preparing services and building collections for our students. There's a lot of buzz about it. Um, we're in a good place, and, and we're, we can't wait to, to get there. But to wrap up, um, do you have a message you would like to relay to the students and staff of Madison College, as well as the larger community, as we approach the opening of the Goodman South Campus? My message is, is, is fairly simple. It's not just about the access to and the learning that goes on. It's about what is the commitment we have not just to that community, but Madison, Dane County, and the rest of our 11 districts that we serve. Um, this is not the only need place. Right. It's one of them. Um, folks who have, have told me often, well, here you are, and now what you're going to do, you don't need to do anything else, so you know, what's, what's going to happen? And for me, is that you hand something off, and you know you have confidence in who you're handing off to, and you move on to the next issue that supports students. Because this is the bottom line for us. It's our students. Regardless of how we define students, students can be business, can be industry, community, any of those elements. And I think we play a role in terms of uh, influencing that development. So we go to the next one. I would tell students also, if you want to come to a place that's in your backyard, your neighborhood, your community, this is the place for you. It's interesting because Friday, Friday, our signs went up on the building. And Monday, there were students trying to get in to that building <laughs> to enroll. Sure. Right? Great. And so we've got to put a sign out to go to Villager for the next three and a half weeks before we get in. So I, I think that um, there's a lot of buzz, but I think that the buzz in itself has to translate into how we can be of better assistance to community um, along the way and continue to do that. So now it's time for our Anything Goes recommendations. My recommendation for this week is a book by a local uh, Madison author, Muriel Sims. The book is called Settlin, uh, Stories of Madison's Early African American Families. We actually have two copies, one here at Truex and one that will be at the New South Campus Library. The book has a brief history of the south side of Madison, specifically mm -hmm. the south side of Madison. And then the majority of the book is a collection of oral histories of people 
um, older people that have lived in the neighborhood, uh, younger people, and their experiences. And she is actually someone that we are hopeful of having on a future podcast uh, oh, with okay. us. So Great. All right. Well, I'm going to recommend a place, um, Kansas City. Um, I went there this summer and I didn't, I really wasn't expecting anything. I just thought, oh, okay. But I was so surprised. Uh, first of all, you got the Truman Presidential Library and Museum in Independence, which is just, I don't know, 15 minutes away. Such an interesting um, time, the late 40s, early 50s. Then they have the World War I Museum, um, which we spent all day there. And then um, they have a free trolley, um, clean, air-conditioned, um, good food, friendly people. Um, also, they have, I enjoyed the River Market Antique Mall. Uh, I think it was four floors. The basement is all closed, and the other three or four floors is just everything. And my favorite part of Kansas City was the Steamboat Arabia Museum. And that is a museum that's just devoted to one steamship that sunk in 1856 on its way up the the river to deliver um, goods for general stores. And pretty much all those artifacts were brought up and they're pristine. It's amazing. So Kansas City. (laughs) There's one additional thing about Kansas City. Sure. Well, there's two. Everybody wants to talk about barbecue. Oh, sure. sure. Yep, yes. yep. Yeah. I, I yeah. kind of included that in the good food, but yes. <laughs> yeah, everybody talks about that. However, the Negro Baseball Museum. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There was I'm, places we didn't get to. Thin Vine, correct? Or, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah, and that's, you know, you talk from a historical perspective. Um, and actually the best barbecue in Kansas City is a block or two away from... Yeah, yeah, the museum. Right. Yeah. Didn't make it down there this time, but yeah. There's a, there's also a jazz museum, yes. correct? Right next yeah. Door, yeah. 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 Next time. <laughs> All right. So um, my recommendation is always a little bit off from everyone else's, um, and I'm true to form. We enjoy it. <laughs> but um, my recommendation is something that you can do um, in your house or in your life to make your day a little bit better, and it's painting. I know it's not everybody's favorite thing, but I've guessed I've just been on a painting kick. I've recently painted my kids' bedroom. We've recently painted our our bathroom. I painted my chicken coop. I touched up painting in my kitchen and like just little spots where there's like cracks. And my house is old, but it feels brand new. And it's just such a great way to bring new energy to any place. So there you go. Painting. (laughs) Okay. Okay, and mine is more remote as well. Um, I went to Washington, D.C. recently and visited the National Portrait Gallery. Mm. And that is one of the first places you really think about going to, but I really wanted to see the new Obama portraits. Yeah. Um, So um, it really was just amazing. Um, A myriad of artists and then, of course, famous subjects galore. Um, From mostly historical and pop culture type of of things, but... um, it was really also very interesting to me to see how the subjects wanted to portray themselves. You know, so like, you know, there was one president, I can't think of who it is now, but was actually with a dog in his portrait. Oh. Um, and so, um, so, and it also was very interesting to see how, you know, portraiture styles, I guess, have changed mm, over sure. time as well. And when you look at everything, um, 
up to the Obamas, you know, they're somewhat similar, but then the Obamas kind of knock it out of the park. <laughs> right. And, um, and it was really fascinating to see people's responses um, kind of going through the whole, uh, the whole place as well. So it's just something, I've been to D.C. a number of times, and it just never was on my radar until somebody recommended it. Um, I highly recommend it, and especially if it's in the warm months, it's very cool inside. Yeah. So. <laughs> Good. My recommendation will be local. Okay. A place to enjoy, have fun, Dane Dances. Okay. So Dane Dances start this weekend, and they're for every weekend in the month of August, top of Monona Terrace. Uh, very good music. Um, and and just some good conversation and good folks. So that would be my recommendation. All right. Well, thank you. All right. Well, we would like to thank Dr. Daniels for taking the time in his busy schedule to be with us today. And the Overdue Podcast is a production of Madison College Libraries and the Student Achievement Centers. Take care, everyone. See you next time.